The best kind of parent you can be is to lead by example. That is a quote that Drew Barrymore said. I love that. Welcome to HEAL, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. Welcome to this episode of Heal. Today, I'm sitting down with Rose Clark, who is a parenting coach. And right before we got on, I was thinking a lot about parenting coaches. And I thought, this is really needed these days. Welcome, Rose. How are you? Oh, thank you for having me, Liz. I'm great. I'm great. So happy to be here. Good. I'm happy that you're here and taking the time out to speak to the audience about um, your journey to how you got to become a parent coach. Um, you know, I said to you before we started recording, I really think this is a timely message because we're talking about um, your journey to this point. And, and I think that a lot of parents feel like they're doing a shitty job and they're not, they're just doing the best that they can. So I'm very interested in hearing um, about what you offer parents. We will get to that at the end ish. Um, but tell us your journey. Tell us why you became a parenting coach. Yeah. You can yeah. start as young as you want to. <laughs> okay. I'm actually going to start. I'm going to start a little bit older and then go back, then go back to the, okay, we go can back to the younger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I was about 33, I was newly married and burned out and I found myself on a therapist's couch, you know, wow. and, uh, I was off work, all these things. So she sat me down and she's like, okay. She was like, listen, <laughs> why are you pushing yourself so hard? What's going on? Why are you working all these overtime hours without getting paid? Like, you know, what, what's going on? And I was like, oh, oh my God, were you a teacher too? You know? And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was working with teenagers though. I was working with teens. That was just um, a joke. That was just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, teachers have a tough job, man. They really do. Um, so, uh, yeah. So she said, yeah, why, why are you pushing yourself so hard? And I was like, well, um, I'm just trying to work t- like it's, prove that I'm worth the space I take up in the world. And like, I had no idea, like those words came out of my mouth and I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, you know? And so we started talking about things and we started talking about my childhood. And um, she revealed to me that I had had a highly abusive childhood. And I didn't, I had no idea. You know, I remembered watching the video when I was in elementary school about kids being abused. And I like, specifically remember like somebody putting a cigarette out on a child's or an adult putting a, a cigarette on right, a child's because like, that's well, my parents we, don't even that's smoke. That's what we so, think, I'm, right. That's what we think abuse is. Not abuse. abuse. That's is, what I thought. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And sadly, it turns out that um, undiagnosed, but my parents have personality disorders, you know, like they're, um, you know, they really struggled with their mental health. And I'm sure that their childhoods were uh, quite difficult as well. You know, these things get passed on. This is why we call it generational trauma, right? Or, you know, breaking the generational wounding and all that stuff. And so, um, you know, that was, that was quite shocking to me. And actually, (laughs) while I was in therapy, you know, I found out that I was pregnant, you know, during those months, I found out that I was pregnant with my first child. And, um, that was started. That's when things really went crazy. Like I, I just knew that there was something seriously wrong. So if we back up to before I got married, you know, my husband and I had a conversation, um, about parenting. And I said to him, look, because I did know that I didn't like my childhood very much. I knew that there were things I didn't like the way that my parents treated me. And I said, look, this is what I, this is the thoughts I have about parenting. I want my kids to have their own thoughts and feelings and opinions and let them be their own you know they can be their own person and have that be you know very valued and honored and i want them to have a close personal attachment with their parents a close emotional attachment because these were things i didn't have and he was fully you know online fully in agreement um but like i said when i had two under two and the yelling started i just knew i had those ideas you know but i didn't have any tools and i said to my husband i got any tools i'm home with these kids all day i'm screaming at them they're babies what do I really have to yell about? And I just felt like pure crap about myself. Like, I think that we, a lot this of was us, exactly the stuff I didn't, didn't. Yeah. I think a lot of us struggle with that as a young, I don't know. Oh, you said you were about 33, any age parent. I think a lot of us yeah. struggle because yeah. we don't, we think we know what the right answer is, but we are just doing what we think is right. And it might not be right for that one child. Yeah. 
and the you know the mental pathways get formed very strongly in our childhood right um you know the way society treats children not just the way it treats children and so the thoughts about children and all those things those things all get wired into our brain and then that's what we're depending on unless we do something to change. I started reading the parenting blogs and I started reading parenting books and things would kind of work sort of or, or make me feel better for a few days, but nothing was really sticking. Um, and I just wasn't really sure what to do. And then I stumbled on this website called Language of Listening done yeah. by Sandy Blackard. And I started reading it and my jaw literally dropped because I was like, oh my goodness, I think this is it. You know, like it, she was talking all about honoring the child for who they were, which was so important. But I also knew that that didn't work on its own. You know, the validating the emotions, all those things. It was great. It's a it's a huge, important step. Uh, but then I, there was this other piece, um, this other piece where, um, you know, the parent gets to be the one in charge and hold boundaries that create a deeper connection with the child rather than disconnection. That's so interesting. I'm thinking like out loud here about that, because again, we, I joked about being a teacher, but it's really important to have those firm boundaries with your child. So they feel safe and secure and know what to expect. However, you also want them to be who they are. So that seems like a really tough balancing act, but you just have to be aware and mindful of that's what you're trying to achieve, I think. Yeah. And you know what? The cool thing about this parenting model is this, this lady that came up with it, she was able to figure out how to sim completely simplify these things. So she was working with Dr. Gary Landreth, who was like um, the head of the Play Therapy Association in the United States. She was working with him because she was having some struggles with one of her daughters, um, preschool age. Yeah. And, um, you know, she, she started working with him. She started learning all the things, but she was able to distill it down. Right. You know, to to when you're a mom and you're in those hot moments, you know, and how do you remember all these things? And so the, the model is literally three simple steps that get you validating who the child is, building them up, get, get, giving them unshakable confidence so that their their self-belief lives inside of them. They're not a people pleaser. This is what happens when we use praise. We're creating people pleasers. But she has a way of you know, getting the child rooted and grounded in their value and worth on the inside of them. So they always have it to draw on. And That's then this so whole funny. idea about say, holding boundaries. Be, yeah, it needs to be more intrinsic. Like we we try to prop kids up by saying things that are like, that makes me so happy. And, and it really what we're doing is building an extrinsic motivation for a child to do the right thing or act a certain way because it makes us happy. And it's just really difficult to reframe those words, but it's, again, a mindful practice, I think, of simply stopping and listen, you know, and being careful with your words. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 And then that third piece is holding boundaries in a way that invites the child into problem solving and um, again, gets them believing in themselves. And like, I tell you the way that this model works and maybe I can start off by telling a little story, you know, but Absolutely. it's crazy Go for it. like how, <laughs> okay. It's crazy how much, you know, sometimes these simple steps can actually just create behavior change in the moment. Sometimes it takes a few goes, right? Um, you know, but I'll tell you a story that, that outlines it, you know, very, very clearly and very easily. And I'll, I'll, I'll say what I was doing as I was going along, you know, as the story unfolded. So I have a rule in my house about Sharpie markers because having uh, two young kids and Sharpie markers being in the house, I would find Sharpie markers. So I found them on my staircase and on my walls and on my furniture. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> boundaries, right? Like you can't just validate them, you know, and then just hope that they'll stop doing what they're doing, right? They got to meet their needs. Their needs got to get met. And validation sometimes works to meet the need for connection. Um, but there's two other needs we talk about in language of listening. And sometimes validation is not the way the child needs their need for connection met. So, um, so my child, uh, so I have these rules about Sharpie markers that if a child finds a Sharpie marker, they must bring it to an adult and the children are only allowed to use Sharpie markers in the presence of an adult. So my daughter found a Sharpie marker. We were in the dining room. She, she spied it behind the dining room cabinet and, um, she reached behind and she knew the rules. And so, so she started bringing me that, that marker with a big smile on her face. And at the last minute she changed her mind uh Oh, <laughs> and she pulled that Sharpie marker into her chest and, you know, put her hand over it. Right. Uh oh, is right. Because our brains start freaking out. Don't they? In that moment, like my yeah. brain did, I started going, Oh my gosh, 
what's she going to do with it? How do I get it from her? You know, I'm picturing like Sharpie yeah. marker on, on, you know, new furniture now. And I'm like, yeah. what the heck am I going to do? And then I just thought, okay, language of listening, you know, what does language of listening tell me to do? And in that moment, I remembered the first tool, which is say what you see, which is simply where you're validating the child. Yeah. And uh, th that's where you do step in and do the validation. And you're just saying what you see, you know, and when you're able to just say what you see, some really beautiful things can happen. Right, and because so there's no emotions like, attached to it, you, you know? Yeah, there's no emotions attached there's no, to it. There's, there's no judgment. No yep. judgment, yep. Yeah, no emotions, no judgment, right? Yep. So you stay in the present moment, which is where we need to be with kids because they don't live in that, oh my gosh, what's she gonna do with the Sharpie marker, right? Yeah. She's just like, I'd really, I'd really like to have the Sharpie marker. I'm not sure I wanna follow the rules right now, whatever she's thinking. And so, <clears throat> which is fine for her to think those things even, right? We don't even have to be afraid of that. We have so much fear in our parenting, but I relate, relate that back to all the fear in our childhood. That's um, right, yeah. Yep. So anyway, she was holding it. I did, say, I, yeah, <laughs> I did say what you see. You found a Sharpie marker and you started giving it to me. And then I jumped in and actually ended up using this strengths tool, hidden strengths. Hidden strengths we can use sometimes to hold boundaries. Strengths is the thing that we do in, in place of praise. But I did hidden strengths in this moment and I just simply said to her, that shows you know how to follow the rules. So you found the Sharpie marker, you started giving it to me, that shows you know how to follow the rules. Now I know she wasn't following the rules, but she was showing <laughs> me that she knew how to follow the rules. Right. And Liz, you know what happened? She her facial expression changed from squinty eyes to a yeah. big smile, you got it. And she yeah. handed the marker right over. And not only that, but from that day forward, because children love experiencing themselves, um, you know, experiencing their strengths, they yeah. love experiencing those strengths. From that day forward, whenever she found a Sharpie marker, it was a game and she just wanted to bring it to me all the time. So that behavior was handled, that was it, it was done. I never had to worry about Sharpie markers with her from that day forward. She was around four years old at that point. That's a great story because of course she's, at that age, you expect them to be like, well, what happens if I don't give that Sharpie mark? Like, I'm gonna test my boundaries because <laughs> this is a safe place to do that, right? Yeah, safe place. Yeah. yeah, it's a safe place for her to test those boundaries. And instead you did the language of listening, and is that what it's called? The language of listening? Yeah. Yeah. And language she, of listening. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And she followed along and she, and she loves it now. She's proud intrinsically that she followed the rules. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, rules were so important to her too. You know, when she started school, that was one of her concerns, you know, that, um, am I going to know the rules? Cause she wanted to she wanted to be able to do well at school, you know, and fit it and feel comfortable and safe there. And that was part of her safety, I guess, was knowing the rules. And so it was very interesting that, you know, sometimes you can hit a, hit a strength, name a strength for your child, and it means the world to them because it's the thing they're wondering about themselves. Right, right, right. That's fabulous. That's what really a great beautiful. story. Yeah, when that happens. Yeah. Thank so you. let's go back. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Let's go back a little bit and talk about um, some of the things that you had to overcome to get to where you are now, helping parents and yourself with this, um, with this way of parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, as I said, you know, when 202, I had 202 and the yelling started, you know, it was just this constant fear and this constant frustration and this constant being in fight or flight and this constant like blaming and hating on myself, you know? Mm. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> those things can all be taken back to childhood mm -hmm. for sure. You know, that, that this is what we do as kids, right? When we get punished, um, when our parents blame us, my parents, that was one of their, that was one of their things, right? You blame the child and then the child is going to have self-control. This is the thinking, you know, and it's not even conscious thinking, uh, because as you said, all parents are doing the very best that they can, right? I believe my parents did the best that they could with what they had. And sadly, it meant I ended up with a lot of trauma, That's um, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, to be able to stand in a place where I can change that for myself and for my children, because the really beautiful thing about this parenting model is not only did it allow me to become the mom I always wanted to be, it also allowed me to reparent myself because the three tools that I spoke of, you can use with yourself to coach yourself. And it's been really huge for me, you know, learning how to hold boundaries myself where, you know, I grew up in a household where my boundaries were constantly trampled on, where who I was and what I wanted and what I didn't want didn't matter. And yeah. I needed to set those things aside 
in order to lessen the the punishment, to lessen the physical abuse that was happening and even the mental and emotional abuse. Words are, I felt like the words that were spoken to me were more damaging than the physical abuse that I experienced. To tell well, you I truth. think that that's the case for many because uh, we the words that were outside of us end up becoming our internal voice. And so we relive those words and we start to believe those words. You got it. And so what this model helped me to do was to change those internal words for myself. And it's so much more powerful when you've changed them for yourself um, yeah. to be able to do it with your children, right? Get yeah. it for you and you've got it for them, I always say. I love that. Get it for you and you've got it for them. That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, we can talk about... Um, yeah, just talk about how to um, how to start maybe that that um, that healing and that uh, using the tools to start. To yeah, yeah, let's let's do this. I'm going to do something real quick just because I feel like um, it's necessary. I'm going to stop the recording and take a quick break and we'll chat for a second. We'll come right back. Okay. Be right back. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> and here we are. We came back from our quick little break. I just want to let everyone know that I am having technical difficulties, which is why I took that break so soon. You know, um, those who do listen on a regular basis, we usually do not take breaks so soon in the middle of a podcast. But I just wanted to let you know that I am having some technical difficulties. So um, just bear with me. I am here with Rose Clark, who is a parenting coach, and we started chatting a bit about a little bit about her background, um, but a little bit more about her, the program that she teaches now and she coaches with now. Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit about the tools and how they have helped you heal, Rose. What kind of, again, don't give away the farm, Rose, because you want people to connect with you as well, but maybe just like <laughs> those three um, aspects of the program or how these tools have helped you in your parenting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing for me was, um, you know, learning how to hold boundaries in a way that didn't disconnect me from my family. That was huge. And learning how to do that actually caused there to be a lot more connection in my um, in my family relationships. For example, my husband will tell you our marriage is better as a result of um, language of listening, which is so fantastic, you know. So um, learning to, to hold your boundaries it, it can it can feel very complicated. And again, Sandy's made this so simple. So one of the first things that I get my clients to do actually is to um, get about 30 minutes to yourself and sit down and write out a list of everything that you can think that you like and everything that you think that you dislike. Everything like food, the way people talk to you, um, the way you wear your hair, the clothes you wear, um, the things you like to do in your spare time, you know, all those things, anything that you like and, and dislike. And those are actually your boundaries. Those are your boundaries. And they also make up your identity. Your identity is made up by uh, your unique mix of likes and dislikes. And a lot of us, if we had a difficult childhood or if we were using just survival mechanisms in childhood, because we do this to avoid punishment, we do set aside our own likes and dislikes. This is a huge thing that happened to me. I set aside my likes and dislikes. So I set aside my connection to my identity and to my boundaries. And I got really good at knowing what my parents liked and disliked. So I could follow suit. So I could follow, like, be like them, take on their identity almost, you know, to avoid punishment. And so then as an adult, when you become an, when you become an adult, when you, when you're, you know, trying to navigate any type of relationship, whether it's romantic or at work or you're a parent or whatever, right? If you don't have a connection to your boundaries and your identity, like you're kind of lost. I was very lost. I was so lost. It was always like, you know, here's my boundary ish. And if it's okay with you can we go with that you know my boundaries were always presented as a, as a <laughs> i love that um, if that if it's okay with you is that okay that okay i have this you? boundary i mean that's like not a boundary people <laughs> <laughs> 
it's not. So we could say I had no boundaries, you know, really. And so, and then when things got really, really bad and I really had to hold a boundary, you know, then I'd yell, you know, I would, I would become angry because I thought boundaries were mean and controlling. So when I actually held a boundary, I became a mean and controlling person because these are the, that's the way my brain got wired. These are the ways that I saw it modeled for me as a child. So again, when I had kids, I was like, this is not okay. Right. Or it's the way that you know that your voice will come across. Like, you know, that they'll hear you if you get loud and angry. Like, this isn't really meaningful to me. I'm going to have to get loud and angry about it, you know? And it's like, well, that's not it. Sometimes when you get quiet, it's even more meaningful. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I love what Sandy said to me one day because I said to her, you know, why do my kids not listen unless I yell at them? Yeah. And or why don't they take me seriously? That's why I said, why don't my kids take me seriously unless I yell at them? And she said, Rose, it's, it's, you know, more like this. You don't take yourself seriously until you yell. Wow. And I was like, Whoa. Mind blown. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And, and it was just so true about me and my situation, you know? And so, um, so getting connected to my likes and dislikes and starting to recognize that my husband and my children have their own likes and dislikes. And this is me starting to be able to respect them and honor them as their own separate human being with their own thoughts and feelings and opinions. That was part of what I wanted, you know, but I didn't have the tools and like, see how simple this tool is just to like, figure out what you like and what you don't like and bring it into your awareness. Right. And then you can start validating it. That's that you can use that, that as part of your say what you see, you know, like when your child is having a meltdown because they got the blue cup instead of the red cup, you can go, you love red. Of course you want the red cup. Right. Right. You know, and by the way, what, and when a child is melting down about something that seems so insignificant, right? This is one of the things that we get frustrated about. We can step back and go, oh my gosh, my child is gaining life skills right now for like, what do you do when you're so disappointed? Right. By, you didn't get what you want. You didn't get into that college that you wanted to. You didn't get that job. No kidding. I feel like, again, as a teacher, or, or broke up with you. That's right. And as a teacher, I almost feel like that's one of the things that has been lacking in the past few years is disappointment. And how do we manage it? Because we are just, we become disappointed in a lot of situations in our life. We do, we just do. And, and if you're not faced with disappointment and how to handle it as a child, or at least, you know, navigate your way through disappointment and determine how it feels um, and and how to manage it. Then, as an adult, when we, you're right, we don't get into that college. What are you going to do? Throw a fit when you, you know, don't get hired for that job? What are you going to do? How do you handle it? What do you do next? I think that's such an important yeah. skill. Yeah. 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 I think it's one of the most important things actually that I can pass on to parents is handling disappointment. I actually did some videos and did a blog post at the beginning of the pandemic. Cause I mean, talk about disappointment. Oh my Just God, everything yeah. was canceled. There was disappointment everywhere, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, that's the whole thing. Like, like if we're taught in childhood that like our disappointment doesn't matter, what we want doesn't matter. What we want is insignificant, even if it's just red cup, blue cup. Right. Yep. But when you sit with your child and you help them work through that situation, you don't have to give them the red cup. But if, if you if you sit with them and you coach them through and give them the tools of how to deal with disappointment, it empowers them. Otherwise, they feel very powerless and they don't they don't apply for another job for three, four months. Right. Or yep. they don't apply to another college. They, they they just give up on going to college, you know, even though it was their dream. It was the thing that they wanted to do with their life. And they just they just they're you know, they're disappointed. It didn't work. You know, you're finished here. That's right. kind of the message that you know, kind of can get put across. Um, But anyways, back to what I was saying about the likes and the dislikes, these are your boundaries, you know, and when I was able to start to get reconnected to my likes and dislikes, because I went through a whole time in my 30s where I was like, I don't even really know what my opinions are on different things. Like, I know what other people would say, but what do I think about things? What are my own thoughts? You know, who am I? You know, this is kind of this, this, this crisis in my thirties of, of who am I? And thank goodness I had this model to kind of fall back on. And again, getting it for myself and be able to validate likes and dislikes once I'm okay with mine and I can, I can make my likes and dislikes the most important thing and to be your priority, right? This is important that we show up as our authentic selves. Then I could start creating an environment for my children where that, that was okay. 
and it was celebrated, you know, that they were themselves and connected to their own identity. And even my husband, like his favorite thing, he told me his favorite thing is when I validate his likes and his dislikes because it validates the other person's identity. And that feels so good when you're seen and understood. That's what we all want is to be seen and understood. No kidding. It's like my biggest thing to be seen and heard and, and understood. Well, I don't care about the understanding part, just the seen and the heard part. Like I'm here, <laughs> you know, it's validation that you see me. I'm here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how exactly. ironic considering um, what you and I are going through right at this very moment during Zoom. <laughs> neither, <laughs> yes. neither of us are being seen but, and hardly heard. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, Zoom, you're killing me. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was that was really, you know, the the foundation for me of just getting connected to my identity, starting to build self-trust. Um, and being able to see and have the tools to see my children, my husband as separate individuals with their own thoughts and feelings and opinions. But if I hadn't have gotten that for myself, I would still be in this environment where like, no, you don't get to have that subconsciously, you know, um, but, it, but it's, but it's there. And when you stop blaming yourself as a parent, when I stopped blaming myself, when I stopped using that survival mechanism from my childhood and thinking that there was something wrong with me all the time and thinking that, you know, the problem was me. Well, I always love to say that people can't be problems. They can only have problems. And that's the beauty of say what you see in this validation is once you validate what's going on in front of you, once you validate in your own emotion, the child's emotion, and, and even, you know, your reactions and your behaviors, doesn't mean you have to like them. This, this model is so based on the likes and dislikes. You don't have to like what you're doing. You don't have to like what your child is doing to validate it, to be there in the present moment, as in that's, that's what's happening. And once those things are not the problem, uh, especially the emotions and whatnot, the person becomes not the problem, right? Right. The person knows, okay, I'm not the problem. Then you can actually look at the real problem and get it solved. Right. Because when you think the person's the problem, you're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. People can't be problems. Nope. Right. And you're spinning your wheels constantly, never getting to the real problem, completely disempowered. Wow. That just makes so much sense. Yeah. I know so many people who are going to benefit from this conversation. So continue. So boundaries, knowing what you like and you dislike and valuing the other people in your life's boundaries and what they like and dislike in their identity. Yeah. Yeah. And then like once you're solid on your boundaries, you got to be clear on what they are, which you can get clear on them if you know what you like and what you dislike. And then you hold them consistently with your children. Yeah. You know, and then that starts to create this whole environment. So the way that it works with language of listening is that as as parents, you know, I mean, this is just the way it works, actually. Yeah. Um, as parents, it's our job to create the boundaries for our child, to create kind of this box. And then the child meets their needs within the boundaries, you know, however they like, because their needs that need to be met in a way that actually satisfies them. And it's our job, like you said, to create that safety, right? To keep the yep. child inside that particular box of our boundaries so that they're meeting their needs in ways that are benefiting them for sure, has to feel um, satisfying for them, but also that are socially beneficial mm -hmm. for them, right? That are not going to damage their relationships or cause issues in their relationships. And again, this is where we come in and hold our boundaries. And there's really beautiful ways to do that. Again, with language of listening, you know, let's say your son, you know, hits his brother because he wants to play with the car. You know, and again, giving your child life skills, moving them through problem solve with them. Say what you see, you hit your brother, you really want to turn with the car. Yep. And then we use the can do's, invite them into problem solving. Must be some way to let him know what you want without anybody getting hurt. Right. Right. And then you can brainstorm with them. Maybe they'll come up with their own. Maybe he'll play with the yellow car. And maybe, maybe the son will be like, well, maybe he'll, he'll play with my special yellow car and I can play with his red car and we'll trade, you know? And if the child can't come up with a solution that you and they both like, then you can recommend some solutions Yeah. to be there with them. So next time, you know, he wants to turn with something. It's not, you didn't put him on timeout and he has to sit there and think about what he did. No, he's right? You're actually some great problem solving skills to be able to, you know, use the words and, exactly. and say exactly how you're feeling because Boy, again, I, 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 it's so interesting because as a kindergarten teacher, we are constantly trying to reframe and um, teach those social um, behaviors that yes. of sharing and being kind and all of that stuff and using words and, and maybe but developmentally they aren't ready for that. But also there needs to be some level of communication in the home. So when they come to school, they know that this is, you know, 
a place where you will have to use those skills, those problem solving skills and learn more problem problem solving skills. I think that's the one thing that I did the most as a kindergarten teacher was to help kids to problem solve, period. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Yeah. And even yeah. even Sandy's book, which is called Say What You See by Sandra Blackard, it, it says on the front for parents and teachers. It does. I, I mean, to get I actually, this, just, yeah, to actually just went on Amazon um, and I found it and I know you can't see me, but I'm, hol I'm holding up my phone to show you um, to send to one of my friends who listens to the podcast, who I think would really benefit from all of this. Um, sending it to her right now, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. And it's a super easy read, super easy, but I can't, it, it, she, I don't know how she writes like this. Like she, this lady is a genius. So I took her training program for two years yeah. and um, it's a two year program. And then uh, all of us in the program were like, can we do more? Like, you know, yeah. cause we wanted more. And so we, yeah. we actually did the third year with her and, and I continue to stay in contact with her now. Yeah. Um, but I can pick up that book and I've read it many times. I could pick up that book today and still get new little juicy nuggets out of it because it's this whole thing where like, you read it, you can get it. And then, but the more you learn how to do it, the, the deeper you can go. So then you read it again and you're at a different you level, like, you know, you, so you pick up more. Yes. Like, yes. That those are the best time. kind of books for me. It's just this thin little book. Yeah. That, those are the yeah. best kinds of books. Because yeah. again, you're, like you said, you're learning more, you're uncovering more, you're practicing more. And the more that you do that, then you'll be yeah. able to understand something a little bit deeper and be able to practice that next. So I love that. Those, excuse yeah. me, are the best yeah. books to have. Yeah. Yeah. And I really feel like she's cracked the code on how human beings work, you yeah. know, and this is why the tools, they work, they work with my kids. They work on me. If I use it with myself, they work on my husband. They work on, you know, random people I meet on the street or whatever. Like they just, they just work. It's just that she figured this stuff out from the lens of parenting, you yeah. know, so that's where we, that's where we begin. Awesome. And we'll talk more about that book um, near the end as well. Great. So boundaries, we talked about it, boundaries and how important yeah. that is. We talked about knowing your likes and dislikes and that's how we set our boundaries. Talked about say what you see in a non-judgmental non observational way. Um, and did you say there were three, three aspects yeah, of Yeah, so the other tool okay. is, yeah, the other tool is that strengths tool. And so you, you use a strengths tool when you see behavior you don't like. Check this out. Whenever you want to give guidance to your child, you start with say what you see. If you see behavior you don't like, you go to the can-dos. If you see behavior you do like, you go to the... So you seem to be breaking up a little bit, just so you know, Rose, I missed that. So when you see the strengths, okay. so when you see the strengths, you, you go to the can-dos. Is that what you said? So what I said is anytime you want to give guidance to your child, mm -hmm. you start with say what you see. Mm -hmm. And when you see behavior you don't like, you go to the can-dos. Or if okay. you see behavior you do like, you go to the strengths. Do you see how it's based on the likes and dislikes? Yes. And so the really beautiful thing is, is when you uh, see behavior you don't like, yes, you do the say what you see, and then you, you know, then you go to the can-dos, like, you know, when I said, and you keep these very like um, objective, right? Not, not personal. You yep. don't say you can't write on the walls. You say the walls aren't for writing on or right. people aren't for hitting that right. kind of an idea. Right. So when that child goes to school and some kid hits them, they're like, hey, people aren't for hitting. That means I'm not for hitting either. Right. And right. so they recognize that it goes both ways. They're not for hitting and the, and the other kids in school are not for hitting either. Right. Um, once that child has come up with a solution, you know, for this can do once they've problem solved, then now you're seeing behavior that you like. So then you go back to the say what you see and you and you name the strength. And it's really important to do the say what you see when you're naming the strength, yeah. because that's that's that real world proof, right? This is the thing that you did that shows that you and I'll tell another quick story. OK, sure. When I first started learning this model, I was like, OK, strengths tool. And I had my youngest was three at the time. And I was like, what's a good strength for a three-year-old? I just started with one strength. I'm like, helpful. Helpful is a fantastic strength for a three-year-old. So I asked her to get me a butter knife out of the kitchen. And she got me a butter knife. So I did say what you see. You got me a butter knife when I asked. That shows you're helpful. Mm -hmm. I named that strength for her two more times that day because I noticed it. And she said, Mama, you keep saying that. And I said, yeah, it's something to, that I'm noticing about you today that, that, you know, that you're helpful, that you do helpful things. 
And then the fourth time I did the say what you see and named the strength. She's three now, remember. She mm. grabbed a chair in the kitchen, dragged it across the floor to the kitchen sink. And she said, mama, whenever you're feeling sick, I'm going to help. And I'm going to help right now. And I'm going to wash the dishes. Oh and my she started goodness. running the water. <laughs> And I was like, what in the world? But again, like this, this starts to inform for them who yeah. they are, yeah. right? They like experiencing themselves with these strengths and, and you know, language of listening tells us children act according to who they believe they are. So if you want to change a behavior, just change their belief about themselves. I love that. That's the most powerful way to change their behavior. And she's eight now, she's almost nine actually. And to this day, she still sees herself as helpful. If people don't have water at, at supper, she hops up and gets water for everybody. That's fabulous. So you do know, you think that, that she she sees that as a strength and that's wonderful and she should see that as a strength? Is is there a way to counteract? I don't know if these are the right words, but I'm going to say them as they're coming to me. But, you know, she's helpful and we hope that that doesn't turn into people pleasing helpful, like go to the extreme of let me do that for you. Let me do that for you. Let me do that for you and forgetting herself. So is there a balance to make sure that you, you know, she's, her strength is that she's so helpful. Um, but is there also a way where you can teach her to Absolutely. make sure she helps herself? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, th this is the thing is you can, you can find a strength that balances that out. Like, you know, how to look after yourself or, you know, how important you are, you know, and so you can name that strength at other times. The thing is, is when you're naming, when you're using the strengths tool where you, where you, you know, give the real world proof and then you name the strength, right? There's nothing, um, I want to say kind of manipulative about that, right? Like, like, it, yeah, it doesn't feel manipulative. It's her own strength. All. She's not helpful all the time. No, no it's often, no, <laughs> she's, I, not, she's not helpful yeah. all the time. Yeah. No, I just, so I, the reason why I asked the question is because, um, in my business, I definitely, uh, uh, work with women, adults who, like you mentioned in your thirties, you know, you were like a people pleaser and you didn't really, you didn't like, you just wanted to make sure everyone was okay. And that's sort of the, the, almost like the, the, um, group of people that I work with are people who are now just figuring out these boundaries and establishing emotional, physical, mental, um, spiritual boundaries. Um, and because they were pleasing too pleasing to others and they'd never really took care of themselves first. So I'm, I just wanted to make sure that there was, <laughs> yeah, she's three. She might at the time she was three and she might not have always been helpful. It was just a trait that you noticed in her and you wanted to build up. Um, but you know, you get to the point where I guess you said it, you're like, you also are really good at helping yourself. You know, that's important. I think to, for kids to understand that they have to be able to help themselves too, if they're good helpers. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And okay. that they feel capable or, or yeah, whatever. And I mean, the thing is the big difference there is Liz is that when you're using the strengths tool, it's all about the child. It's yes. never about other people. Right. Right. And so, cause when we say good girl, good boy, and like what you said, right. Like I, like, I really, it makes me happy when you yeah. do that. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, that's just asking for enmeshment right there. Right. Right. You're responsible for my happiness. Right. My happiness, what you do affects my, and, and no parent is trying to do that, but unfortunately that's kind of how the way like human yes, psychology works, like the human brain works, right? Like if I'm making you happy and it makes you happy that I make you happy, you know, I'm, I'm learning, I'm responsible for the people around me um, and their happiness. And it's like, oh, maybe not, let's not go there. That's <laughs> you know? a lot of pressure. <laughs> it really is. It is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I just love this. I'd love this book. I've never heard of it before, even as a teacher and I'm a, and I'm a parent. And, uh, I just think that everything that you're saying, um, the, the piece that I love the most about this is, well, there's a few, one being building children up and noticing their strengths and their uniqueness. And they are their own little human. They don't have to love everything we love and dislike everything we dislike. Um, they have their own identity. And we know that because when, <laughs> when we try to form them into our identity, they tend to rebel and buck the system. So we know that uh, this is giving parents tools and words and thoughts and beliefs to implement building them up. Um, and, and we're creating healthier, emotionally healthier children, it sounds. Um, but we're also, this is the piece that I love the most, able to then 
um, not then, perhaps first we should read this book and reparent ourselves, like you said, like we need to rethink the way that we think of ourselves. Um, I don't think that was grammatically correct. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what I like the most about this is that we can use all very beautifully said, beautifully yeah, said. Yeah, made perfect sense. We can use this for our children, but we should really start with ourselves. And I think that's the biggest message that I'm getting. Um, and it certainly is one that I try to teach to my clients is that we really need to start with ourselves. You know, if we want our kids to do X, Y, Z, then we need to look at ourselves first. And it's not that we're doing things wrong. We just the way we were doing things didn't work. So let's revisit um, it. Um, and I think this book is fabulous for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the book really talks about using it with children. But the thing is that you'll that you see in the book, and it, again, it's 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 such a short little book that it might seem like a passing phrase that people will miss. But she says in there, like, we want kids to do as we say, but really they do as we do. So the most powerful thing that we ever do is the modeling, yep. right? Who we are, how we are. Um, yep. Really, that's the most powerful message that our child gets about our expectations for them, you know, our hopes for them. And I think, I think it just makes parenting such a beautiful relationship in that the parents don't get left behind. How much do moms and dads and I'll say moms especially, set themselves aside completely because we're told this is what we have to do. You have to suffer. You have to be exhausted. You have to set yourself aside. Don't be selfish. You're the mom, right? Yeah. No, actually motherhood and parenting works 100% better, 1,000% better. When mom knows what her boundaries are, where she's bringing her, her best self, you know, where motherhood feels good. This is why I say, you know, this is why I named this name for my program, Love the Way You Parent. Right, because so many parents don't like the way they're parenting, they don't like the way it's turning out, and they feel like they're getting everything wrong. That's right. That's right. I love that too. Let's talk about love the way you parent. Let's talk about how people can connect with you, um, either just to get some insight or information, or to hire you to help them to realize um, how they parent, or to help them to shift how they're parenting. Yeah. So, how can people contact you? Yes. Or watch you, follow you, stalk you. <laughs> yeah, <kidding>. yeah. <laughs> Come stalk me. Oh well. Um, so my my Facebook group is where I'm the most active. So if you just get on Facebook and search "Love the Way You Parent," don't don't pay attention to my business page. I mean, you can like my business page if you want. That's great. But I'm not super active on. It. I'm really active in the group. Um, there's tons of great resources in there. There's actually a free training in there um, to teach you how to use the tools. There's a, also a training in there called how the crap from your childhood shows up in your parenting and what to do about it. Love <laughs> That's that. a great title. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's so true. You know, like it we is, have all these is. survival mechanisms. And, no, you yeah. hit the nail on the head. Yeah. That's exactly um, what it is. The crap from your childhood shows up in your parenting because we don't know any better, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just how our brains get wired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also fairly active on Instagram. So if you search love the way that you parent, I've got dots in the middle of the words in my Instagram handle. And if you want to learn more about actually taking a, one of my one of my courses or programs, I have a 12 week uh, program for moms where uh, you do learn how to use the tools with yourself and with your children. But really, it's all about, you know, shifting that those parenting behaviors that leave you feeling like crap at the end of the day, you know, all the mom guilt and the resentment that are coming up. Because yeah. there's always this mix of I'm doing a terrible job and, you know, and I, I resent these things that I have to do that are happening to me, right? And, and that's just, unfortunately, it feels like it's par for the course in motherhood, but it doesn't have to be. And yeah. what we do is we replace that with strategies that allow you to build confidence, unshakable confidence in yourself and in your child um, and cooperation, you know, between your child and you. And then also just a relationship that lasts. I think we all want a relationship with our kids that's going to weather life storms Absolutely. so that when they're adults and they're coming back, you know, uh, you know, for holidays or whatever. And like, we enjoy being with them and they want to be there. And it's not, they're slamming the door as they leave and they're just done. And they're not sure they're going to come back next time. You know, we don't right. want to experience those, those things. So to have this loving, you know, mutual, respectful relationship, um, where you are literally giving your child life skills and helping them solve their problems, but also you are not disappearing. 
and they're um, not disappearing. So that's basically they're, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, they're still valid. Yeah. They're still validating who they are, and they're appreciating that and respecting you. I think for it, I think that's the key here. Is yeah, we don't yes. disappear as parents, but then they feel seen and heard as well. Um, and there's mutual respect. Um, I know so many women who yes. are going to benefit from this episode, but also from that book and from your expertise. So again, this is Rose Clark. Rose, we're not quite done yet, so don't get excited. <laughs> okay. this, is, this is Rose Clark. She's a parenting coach. The name of her program is Love the Way You Parent. I will put all of this information in the um, podcast notes, but just so you hear it again, her Facebook group is the best way to connect with her. It's called Love the Way You Parent. She's also on Instagram, um, but she sounds like she has a great 12-week program. If you want to dig deeper and learn more about this um, parenting um, method of listening, uh, language of listening, I think that the 12-week program is the best way to do it. Again, I know so many women who would benefit from this, so I'm excited. This is very timely that you're here right now. Um, I have these conversations with people on a weekly basis here, and I can only speak from my experience as a parent, and I had a different kid. She, Brittany, who usually is on the podcast, is just wonderful. <laughs> no problems. She was the best, and um, and I just can speak from a single parent and how difficult that was for me emotionally and financially, but I was lucky that I got a kid who just, you know, was great, is great. Um, so I can't really speak deeply like you can, Rose, about parenting, what's the right way to go. I give the best advice I can, but you have that expertise and I absolutely love um, the way that you teach it. So if you would like to connect with Rose Clark, remember she is on Facebook and Instagram. I will also have all of that information for you. And before we actually leave each other, Rose, I have three questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. When you are at your most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? Oh my goodness. Right now, when I'm at my most peaceful, I actually um, am laying on my back with my legs raised, listening to a sleep meditation. <laughs> nice. Okay. You have, is your back okay? <laughs> my back is fine. Yeah. It's just that idea of getting your legs elevated uh, so that yep, you're, gotcha, you know, gotcha. get, get kind of having the yeah, blood drain out of them. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not holding all the weight. All right. I got it. All right. Legs up the wall, that yoga pose. We love it here. Um, Okay, next question. And you may have already said this, but I'm gonna give you another opportunity to share with the listeners a book that changed your life that you would recommend. Oh yes, absolutely. The Say What You See book by Sandra Blackard, 100%, yeah. Great, Say What You See. And keep that. reading it, like I said. Yeah. Over and over again, yep. Yeah. And then the last question that I have for you is if money was not an object, what would you be doing with your life? Money was not an object. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, you know, I always feel like there's this huge balance in me between like just being here with my children. Um, and then also, you know, I started, I started my business because, um, the first thing that was on my heart was children experiencing adverse childhood experiences. So, so mm -hmm. childhood trauma, that was the first thing on my heart. I was like, I had a crappy childhood. I'm going to do what I can, you know, to, to make sure that my children don't have the same issues that I had, you know, the same hurts as best I can. Um, but also to be able to take that to, you know, to make that an opportunity for other children in the world. So, and of course, how do you do that? You work with parents and it, but, but then it wasn't just about, my experience as a child and wanting to prevent that for other people, you know, that pain for other people. I also wanted to prevent the pain that moms experience. Yeah. There's um, so much because it is be very perfect. painful when you are hurting yep. your children, the way that you got hurt and you feel yep. like there's nothing you can do about it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's that idea of, you know, lifting, lifting that, um, that pain. So, I mean, that, that's what I'd fully devote myself to, you know, if money was not a, if money was not uh, an object, I was just devote myself to my children and also um, 100%, you know, but then also to supporting other moms, um, you know, and maybe in, in different ways, or, you know, I'd have more time to do it because I'd have a housekeeper or, you know, <laughs> right. you can't be able to hire people to do all the other things. 
Yeah. So essentially doing what you're doing right now, just on a larger scale. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That is so Mm -hmm. wonderful. Thank you so much, Rose. It has been such a pleasure to get to know you and to hear um, a little bit about your story and how you're helping moms um, now. I really appreciate it. And again, it's funny how the universe works because I literally have a conversation weekly with some of my clients, a handful of my clients about parenting. Um, And so I know that they're going to really benefit from this conversation. So thank you again, Rose. I really appreciate your time and your expertise. Oh, Liz, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And everyone else, I will return shortly. Be right back. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And here I am. I am back. Just came back to say one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.